Hey Church, we're so grateful to God for each one of you. Thank you for joining us for the service today. Thank you for uh, investing this time and this moment uh, to fellowship uh, with the saints of God, to fellowship with the ecclesia, uh, to, 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 it really communicates to, uh, to all of heaven that you take your spiritual adventure, this walk with God seriously. You know, you, you are investing time uh, to develop spiritually. It's very important to understand that we are spiritual beings first. We're spirit beings first. Uh, you know, before we, we uh, experience anything materializing or manifesting in the physical, uh, we, we, we must understand that we are spirit beings. Uh, and those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. That's what the Bible says. And so today I want, I'm so grateful that the sons of God have gathered together in spirit and in truth. Thank you for taking this time for being with us on this Friday afternoon and, and fellowshipping with us and being on the chat. So I want to encourage you to, uh, to, you, to, to chat away, you know, type in your comments, whatever it is uh, that you're doing. Just, just be free uh, to engage with the Word of God today. I truly believe that today you will understand the Word. You will get it uh, and, and you will apply it and you will see God doing awesome things in and through uh, your life. We've been on a, on a series of talks called The New Covenant Life. Uh, and today the title of the word, the message is Anchored. What a year 2020 has been so far. For some of us, it's been probably been the, the worst year of our lives with everything that we've experienced because of the pandemic, because of sickness, because of job loss, whatever it is. For some of us, it might be the, the worst year of our lives. But for others, the perspective that we have is that it is probably the best year of our lives. And the reason why we look at this year, 2020, as the one of the best years of our lives is because we have had opportunity after opportunity for our faith to be tested and for us to mature in our faith in the promises of God. And 2020 has presented us with phenomenal opportunities to grow in faith and to mature in our faith in the promises that God has made over our lives. What a year when everything else in the natural seems to be saying things in, in totally opposite to what God has said, has said in our lives. We have an opportunity to now either put our faith in what we see versus what God is showing us through His Word. You know, the Bible says in Romans chapter 2 uh, and verses 4, uh, it says that it is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. It is the goodness of God that leads a man to repentance. Some of us might be like, hey, I'm not experiencing any goodness right now. But if you, if I, I want to encourage you to look back at your life. And if you look back at your life, there were seasons in your life where you did experience the goodness of God. And if the goodness of God, the purpose of the goodness of God in your life is not just for you to have breakthroughs and signs and wonders and all that kind of stuff, although it is a part of it, the goodness of God, the purpose of the goodness of God is for man to repent. Repent means to change the way you think about God. So if God is good to you and He's allowed a breakthrough for you to experience a breakthrough in your life, it is because you should know the Lord of the breakthrough. 
So repentance or the renewing of your mind really is something that you and I experience when we experience goodness, not punishment, not judgment. It's when we experience goodness. And so when we experience goodness, when we experience the, the goodness of God through people in our lives, you and I have got to put on our thinking hat and say, okay, hold on a minute. I'm experiencing God's goodness in my life. The reason why God, I'm experiencing this goodness is because I need to change the way I think about God and His purpose in my life. And so when I change the way I think about God and His purpose in my life, now it positions me to embrace God's nature, God's character and God's ability in and through my life. So the renewing of the mind is I've got to take off the thinking that I used to have. I have to take off, I have to renew my mind of, of my nature, of my character and of my abilities, which are very limited. And I've got to take on God's nature, God's character and God's abilities in and through my life. And so when we experience goodness in a season, we've got to focus on renewing our mind with God's character, with God's nature and His abilities so that when things look like you're a season, when you enter into a season where it does not look like you are experiencing goodness, like for example, in this season, people are not experiencing, might seem like they're not experiencing the goodness of God. That's when we look at this season as, a, as an opportunity where our faith in God, our faith, when we have developed and we have matured uh, in, our, in, in God's nature, character and abilities in our life, these, season come, these seasons come to test God's nature, God's character and God's ability in our lives. And we look at this uh, season as an opportunity for us to mature when the things of this world don't have an effect on you, it communicates to you, it should communicate to you that you are in authority over the season that you're in. So if the season that we're in is you're being affected by it, it's affecting the way you think, it's affecting your energy, your joy level, that's when you have no authority over the season. But when the things of this world, what is happening in this world, the elections in America and, and the, the, the virus and the pandemic and all these things, when, when these things don't affect your joy level, they don't affect your faith in God, they don't, ex they don't affect the zeal for the kingdom of God. When it does not affect it, that means that you are now in authority to make a difference in this season. So I want to encourage you, you know, don't lose this opportunity to mature in your understanding, to mature in your faith in God, because this is the season. There's no other season. There's never been a season like this. There will never be another season in the future because God has, has allowed us to, He's presented us with an opportunity so that we can test this faith that we have in, in, in the character, nature and the ability of God in and through our lives. You know, when we step in authority, when we mature in, in understanding God's character, nature and abilities in our lives, we would experience what I call being steadfast in a season of turmoil. I would ex we would experience what it means to be steadfast in our faith, grounded in our faith 
in God, grounded in joy in a season where everything around you says, don't be joyful. I want to encourage you to understand that this season has presented us with an opportunity to be full of joy. The reason why we're full of joy is not because of things that happen to us or things that we receive or breakthroughs that we receive. The reason why we're full of joy is because of who we believe. And who we believe causes us to be steadfast in a season when there's turmoil all around us. One of the things that Kelsey and I love doing is we love going fishing together. Once we went fishing and uh, in the waters uh, around the city that we live in, uh, we, have, we have ports uh, that are close to where we go fishing. And uh, because we have ports, there's always a long line of tankers and uh, a long line of boats that are bringing goods into the city. And, uh, and because they don't have a place at the port, they, they wait in line, you know, uh, across uh, the waters. And so uh, our boat kind of has to move, you know, between them and go to the place that we go fishing. And while we were going past one of these massive ships, I noticed that this ship, that the, that the water was, was very, you know, choppy. It was, it, there were, the wind was blowing and the water was very choppy, but all the other boats seemed to be moving along with the water, except for this one ship. This ship looked like it was a building that was constructed in the water. It was literally immovable. It was not moving. The, the waves were crashing against it. All that stuff was happening. The wind was blowing. But this ship, this tanker was steady on the water. And in that moment, I understood that when we are steadfast in the character, nature and the ability and God's word in our life, we are like that ship on the water steadfast, not moving at all with what is happening in our lives. You know, and while I, was, um, while I was looking at that ship and how steady it was, the Lord spoke to me and He said this, the reason why that ship is steady is because it has a steady anchor. When that ship was anchored down, the anchor was so strong that it made the ship steady on a moving surface. And while I, was, while, while I was listening to the Lord teach me this lesson, a verse popped up into my mind from the book of Hebrews. And I'd love for you to go uh, to the book of Hebrews chapter 6. And we'll read verses 19 and 20. And it says this, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us, even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I want to read verse 19 again. He's saying this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast and which enters the presence behind the veil. So the, the writer of Hebrews is saying to us, to you and me, that in a season where 
the waters of our life, the waters of life seem to be choppy around us, seem to be turbulent around us. We have an anchor for the soul. We have, he says that hope, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. So I want to I want to break this this sentence down so that we it prepares us to understand what God is communicating to us through the book of Hebrews. He says we have a hope. This hope is an anchor of the soul. Hope is a joyful anticipation of something that is about to manifest that a promise that God has given to you and me that is about to manifest. And when you live with hope, it means that that you live with a joyful anticipation. You know, a lot of people say, "Brother, I hope that this thing will change. I hope that this pandemic will go away. I hope that I'll get a job. I hope." But if you look at their demeanor, there is no joy in their hope. When you talk about hope there's a joyful anticipation which means that you know that God has promised you something and because he has promised you something you understand his nature is that when he promises something that it's already he's already made the provision for it and that's why you have a joyful anticipation that what god has made a provision for although it might be invisible in the natural i can see it in the spiritual and because i can see it in the spiritual i have this joyful anticipation that it is going to manifest any time and i will wait for it to manifest and that is what living with hope is all about so hope is a joyful anticipation And so the writer is saying when you're going through turbulent seasons when you're going through turbulent time hope this hope is an anchor of the soul your soul is made up of your mind will and emotions and so you have joyful anticipation right joyful anticipation is the anchor of your mind will and emotions why does he say soul is because your soul ladies and gentlemen is what is being renewed by the word of god your mind your will and your emotions is something that that you are in charge of is god is not in charge of your mind he you are in charge of your mind you are in charge of your will and you are in charge of your emotions and when your your mind is renewed the renewal of the mind like i was talking about earlier has to do with you saying i i want the mind of christ i have a desire for the mind of christ and so that's why we spend time in the word of god and we allow the word of god to renew our mind so we receive the character the nature and the abilities of god into our mind our will and our emotions everything is connected in the soul And so here the writer is saying that a joyful hope is a joyful anticipation and joyful anticipation is the anchor for the for the mind the will and the emotions in a season where everything else is in direct opposite to what you're experiencing why is he saying for the soul because your mind your will and emotions if it is not renewed by the word of god and has and you have the mind of christ your mind will and emotions will be based on a value system of the world see we have the world god has placed us in the world but he says you are you are in the world but not of the world 
we must understand that we are in the world. We are like, a, like the boat is, is placed on the water. It is in the sea, but it's not off the sea. That's what it means. And so what, what he's, the writer of Hebrews is saying, hey, listen, you are in this world, but you are not of this world. You are from, from another kingdom. And because you're from another kingdom, your mind, your will, and your emotions need to be submitted to the kingdom of God, to the value system of heaven. And when your, when your mind, will, and emotions are submitted to the value system, now you, in a season where there's chaos happening around you, now you have an anchor called hope, joyful anticipation of what God has promised is going to come to pass. That joyful anticipation is now being released into the water. And now as you deploy hope into this season, now it, it, it hits the ground, it hits the, 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 the realm of the Spirit, the realm of God, and now you are steadfast. And I want to read this verse again. And it says, This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. This is very powerful, ladies and gentlemen. When we're in a season where there's chaos happening all around us, our responsibility is not to throw an anchor into the world. I don't have a joyful anticipation that the world can give me something. I have a joyful anticipation of what God can give me. And when your hope is based on the Word of God, your mind, will and emotions are based, are renewed by the Word of God. Now in a season where there's chaos, you deploy hope. You deploy hope and hope finds its way. Hope is the anchor and it finds its way behind the veil into the presence of God. Wow, this is powerful. He's saying the ho at hope finds its way behind the veil into the presence of God. Now we know that because of what Jesus has done on the cross, there's no more a veil that separates the, the, the most holy place from us. We have direct access to God and God has direct access to us. But ladies and gentlemen, this place is called the most holy place. It's the place where God's presence dwells. It's the place where, where He, he uh, interacts with you and me with intimacy. This is the place where you can be yourself with God and God can be Himself with you. But when you have hope, joyful anticipation, that joyful anticipation is an anchor that finds its way through all the chaos of the world, through all the, the, the trials and the tribulations. It finds all, goes all the way down and hits God's presence. It goes right into the holy place and hope finds its place in. It secures itself in the most holy place, in the presence of God. See, what keeps us steady in life is not better cars, better jobs, better salaries, my family, picket fence, a house, land, bank accounts, investments. All that stuff is things that can fade away. But steadiness, steadfastness, being steadfast, being secure, being sure 
immovable. It's something that comes when hope finds itself in someone that is immovable and that is God's presence. Living with hope today is the most important thing that we can actually do. When you are steadfast, when you have an anchor called hope and you release that anchor, you allow your mind, your will and your emotions to deploy this anchor called hope, it finds its way into the most holy place. Now this place called the most holy place, uh, if you look at, if you understand the tabernacle of Moses, in the tabernacle of Moses, God told Moses to build out of gold a place called the mercy seat. So hope, joyful anticipation, when it is deployed from a renewed mind, finds its way to the mercy seat of God. That's what's in the most holy place. There was nothing else except the mercy seat of God where the priest would come and would offer the blood, innocent blood of the animals. And so where the sprinkling of the blood, it was only then that God would have mercy upon Israel. And you must understand what the writer of Hebrews is saying to us. He's saying, hey, listen, when you have hope, joyful anticipation of God doing something good in your life, now that anchor finds itself to the mercy seat of God. It secures itself in the mercy of God. The steadfastness of the boat, so to say, upon the water is determined by how steadfast the mercy seat is. So where the anchor goes and hits the ground, ladies and gentlemen, when it hits the ground, it has these barbed uh, uh, prongs that, that dig itself into the ground and it does not allow the boat to move in any direction. So the hope is like that anchor. It goes down and it, it finds itself in the mercy seat of God. And when it finds itself in the mercy seat of God, the state of your life, in the midst of chaos is, is a revelation of where your hope finds its security. So when you look at, a, at your life and you see if, you're, if, you, if there, you don't, firstly, if you don't have joy in your life, you don't have hope. If you don't have joy for, for a better day tomorrow that God who has made promises to you will accomplish those things. He will manifest those promises in your life. You don't have an anchor to release. But when you've received promises and your mind is renewed and you allow that, that in, a, in a turbulent season, you allow that anchor to be deployed, the anchor finds itself into the most steady place of your life. The most steady place is the mercy seat of God. It's the presence of God. And so when you look at your life and if you see yourself steady, then you will see yourself full of joy. You will see yourself with full of peace. You will, you will communicate in, in such a way that says, hey, listen, things might, be look, things might look bad all around me, but I know my God will never fail me. Tomorrow, I see joy in the morning. Joy comes in the morning. You know, it might be dark right now, but joy comes in the morning. You know, things will change. Everything turns and changes for my good. When you live with these promises, when you live, it, it means that you're living with hope for a better day tomorrow. God does not look at you 
according to how choppy the waters are around you. He looks at you according to the anchor that is attached to you. When God sees you, He allows your hope to attach itself to His mercy. He allows, He allows your hope to not bring about judgment, but mercy in your life. And the book of uh, James chapter 2 and verse 13 says that mercy triumphs over judgment. It is, mercy is activated by hope. When you have hope in your life, joyful anticipation in the promises of God over your life, you trigger mercy rather than judgment in from God. You trigger, you, you invoke mercy, the mercy of God in your life. And this mercy causes you now to be steadfast. It causes you to be strong. It causes you to be immovable in a season where you should be tossed and to and fro by the wind. When I studied the word mercy, mercy means compassion. Mercy means forgiveness or it's the act of forgiveness. But one of the Greek words of mercy is the word eleos. And eleos means covenant loyalty. It means covenant love. In other words, mercy is defined as God's loyalty to His covenant with you. This is very powerful, church. I hope you understand what I'm saying right now. The mercy of God, when, when hope, the anchor of hope for your soul finds its way into the presence of God, it attaches itself to the mercy of God, the mercy seat of God. When it attaches itself to the mercy seat of God, the mercy means that God is loyal to His covenant to you and me. We must understand that God has made a new covenant with you and I. Because of what Jesus has done on the cross, God has made a new covenant with you and I. And when you put, come on, when you put faith, when you, put, when you have hope, when your mind is renewed by the Word of God, by the promises of God, you're not bothered by what is happening. You have such hope in God. He, you deploy an anchor called hope. Hope attaches itself to the loyalty that God has to the covenant that He made with you. This is powerful. This is very powerful. We understand over the, the last week where we, we read in the book of Jeremiah 31 and verse, you know, from verses 31 to 30, 33, that God says, hey, listen, I'm going I'm go, I'm to make a new covenant with the, with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. They will be, I will be their God and they will be my people. 
There's a, there's a place of intimacy. There's a place of closeness. There's a place of relationship that God wants to have with man. But you must understand that the new covenant is different from the old covenant. And the old covenant that God made with, with, with Abraham and Moses and all these people is, that, is that, that, that God gave man conditions that they needed to follow. And if they did not fulfill those conditions, they, they wouldn't experience the blessing that God had already made a provision for. So man would live under the pressure of trying to perform in order to receive a blessing. And so God realized, hey, listen, this is not working out for these guys. They, they're not going to fulfill. They're not going to, there is no one on the earth who is righteous enough to fulfill all the laws and requirements of righteousness. And so he comes now and he fulfills them on our behalf. And so now God makes a new covenant with us. He makes a new covenant with Israel. And in that new covenant, he, he says this, I want to be their God and they will be my people. And I want you to go to the book of uh, Ezekiel uh, chapter 36, because he, he gives a, 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 a little more description of this new covenant that he makes with Israel. And we, I want us to read uh, from verses 24 onwards. Ezekiel chapter 36, and we'll read from verses 24 onwards. And God is prophesying through Ezekiel and he's saying to the nation of Israel, for I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries and I will bring you into your own land. And this is powerful. Then he says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I want you to listen to the language of the prophecy now. Listen to the language of the covenant, the contract that God is making with, with, with man. He, verse 25 says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols and I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Come on. It's people who are having heart issues. This is your covenant. God is giving you a new heart right now. Verse 27 says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. 28, then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers and you shall be my people and I will be your God. Now I want to present something to you. This, the details of this new covenant from everything that God has said to, through the prophet Ezekiel to Israel, he doesn't ask man to do anything. The covenant that God makes with Israel, the people, his people, is that he will do things for them. You see the shift in the covenant, the shift in the covenant is that I will clean you. I will cleanse you from all filthiness. I will give you a new heart. I will give you a new spirit. I will put my spirit in you and I will cause you to fulfill 
the all my my commandments all my statutes all my my judgments i will do it for you and you will be my people and i will be your god he 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 say i will make cause you to dwell in the land that that i promised to your fathers and i will bless you 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 must understand what he's trying to say he's saying listen i'm making a covenant with you and this is my covenant with you my covenant covenant means that it's a legal binding to do something which means god is doing something for us and on our behalf and he's doing it to us and he's doing it through us this is not any other covenant ladies and gentlemen this is a covenant of grace grace doesn't just only mean favor it means that we experience god's power god's nature god's character god's abilities in and through our lives if we without god we will not be able to fulfill any of his requirements but see god realizes that and he realizes how flawed we are and so now he takes out a heart of stone he takes out he cleanses us of all filthiness that we've uh, experienced because of idolizing things and people and this world and he removes all those filthiness and he takes out your heart and he gives you a new heart that word new heart over there is the word mind it's he gives you a new mind it's called the mind of christ this is where your soul comes in right you i hope you're understanding what what i'm trying to say he's removing the things of your mind your all your will your emotions all of that stuff is connected your mind your will is submitted to your mind your emotions are submitted to your will you you must understand your emotions are submitted to your will your will is submitted to your mind if your mind is renewed your will will be renewed your 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 emotions will be renewed and so here god is saying i will give you a new mind i will give you a, i will put my spirit in you and my spirit will cause you now to obey all my statutes which means my commandments all my judgments which means when god judges something when god passes a judgment he all of us in the kingdom of god will fulfill that judgment on the earth it's so important that we understand what the new covenant is all about the new covenant is god is doing something for us god is doing something to us god is doing something on our behalf and god is doing something through us And so now coming back to Hebrews chapter 6 when you have hope when you have hope in the promises of God if God gave promises to you if God has made promises he's made a covenant with you if you remember that covenant if your mind is renewed you deploy hope in a season of turbulence turmoil that hope goes and attaches itself to the mercy seat and the mercy seat means god is loyal to his new covenant to you this is extremely powerful church very very powerful when you have hope in god it's not just oh hope is just a feeling i feel i feel joyful for today tomorrow i don't have any hope i'm not feeling joyful i don't have any joyful anticipation No. That joyful anticipation on the inside of you is is because you have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. It is it is so vibrant on the inside of you. There's so much of zeal, there's so much of joy on the inside of you. You know without a shadow of a doubt 
than what God has promised. The covenant that He keeps, the covenant, He's a covenant keeping God and He will keep His covenant with you. It will manifest anytime, anytime now it will manifest. For some of us, we experience the manifestations of God's covenant with us immediately. Some of us take time. And the reason why it takes time is because God is maturing our character. He's maturing our character, the character of Christ in us. He's developing His character, His nature, His abilities. See, you must understand, in our humanity, we cannot heal the sick. No matter how much we try, in our humanity, we cannot heal the sick. But when humanity is kissed by divinity, divinity, in us and through us begins to heal the sick, cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, preach the gospel, make that multi-million dollar deal for that business, raise your children, cook phenomenal food, go out fishing and catch a lot of fish. <laughs> you must understand that is the grace of God in and through your life. See, that grace comes because God remembers he is loyal to His covenant with you. He remembers His covenant with you and me. He is loyal to His covenant. This is powerful church. I want us to go back to Hebrews chapter 6. And, and, and the writer of Hebrews really gives us such a phenomenal example in, in Abraham's life. And I, wanna, I want us to read from verse 13 onwards. And it says this, for when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. Can you imagine? There's no one greater than God. Who can God, give, who can God swear by? So he swore by himself, right? And then he says, saying, surely I will bless, uh, surely blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply you. Now listen to this. And so, after he, that's Abraham, had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. This is very powerful. Patience means not acting fast. Patience means slow to anger. Slow to having outbursts of anger. Slow to rot. Slow, calm down. So we're used to being fast. Somebody cuts you on the road, I want to cut that guy. Somebody abuses you on the phone, you want to abuse him back. Fast, slow down. The nature of God is patience. Patience means slow yourself down. Don't act in wrath, be slow to anger. And so, he, so this is what God was developing in Abraham. Patience. And endurance means the strength to suffer. <laughs> I know some of you are like, oh my God, this is the message that I didn't want to hear. No, this is the message that you need to hear. In a season where you don't seem to be moving, it's a good thing. It's a good thing because you're learning to put your anchor down and allow your anchor to reach the mercy of God. Your hope 
is in the mercy, God's loyalty to His covenant with you and I. And that, your hope in God's loyalty towards you is what actually keeps you steady. It keeps you steadfast. But while you're there, you're experiencing the waves crashing. You're experiencing this wind blowing. God keeps you steady. And sometimes when you're steady on the water, you have to learn to be patient. You have to learn for the storm to pass. You have to learn to watch the season that you're in, to look around you, to see, you know, Noah, when, 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 when Noah's in the ark, he would always go and he would open the window to see whether the water was drying out. So look at the season, look at your life, look at the season around you, look at what is happening around you, but don't put your faith in it. Keep your faith, your hope secured in the loyalty to God's covenant with you. This is powerful church. And so now, when he had patiently endured, when he had become slow to anger, he grew in his strength to suffer. When he, when he, when he was slow to anger, and he grew in his strength to suffer, he obtained the promises of God. See, the reason why we have hope, hope is a joyful anticipation that we're gonna experience the manifestation of God's promises in our life. We need hope because without hope, trust me, ladies and gentlemen, the sufferings that we experience, the, the trials, the persecution, the, 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 the slander, the lies, the betrayal, all of these things, they, they come to you to get you to act fast, to act in wrath, to make judgments, to, to speak against people, to do this, to do that. But if you can just slow down, if you can just pull back a little, just allow your, just from, from just step out of, of that moment and look at yourself and just calm down. You will, you will learn to grow in suffering for Jesus. You will learn to go, you, you, you grow in your strength to suffer. You know, it's easy to speak back. It is easy to back answer your parents. It's easy to try to justify yourself when people are lying about you. Try to prove your case. But let me encourage you that in this season, God is teaching you, don't justify yourself. Don't go out and take vengeance. Calm down. Just let them say whatever they want to say. If what they have to say is not true, God will expose it. You don't have to. Allow God to do what God does. But for you and I, our responsibility in this season is to be slow to anger so we can grow in our strength to suffer. Why? Because what's important is obtaining the promises of God. We have to stay focused on obtaining the promises of God. Why? It's because God is loyal to His covenant with you and me. If God is loyal to His covenant with you and me, why are we not loyal 
to the covenant that God makes with you and me. We've got to be loyal. We've got to be faithful to obtaining what God has promised. And so in this moment, in verse 19, he says, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul. This, this, this hope, he's pointing to a hope. He's not even saying that this hope is, is my hope. You have hope. Have hope, brother. Build hope in your life. No, this hope is not even our hope. It's not even hope that, that we generate. Oh, today I'm going to have hope. No, you know, this, this is a, hope is the, a virtue of God. And this, the context of this verse is actually from verse 15 onwards. And it says this, And so after he had patiently endured, he obtained the promise. For men indeed swear by the greater and an oath for, communi- for confirmation is for them an end of all dispute. Thus God determining to show more abundantly to the heirs of the promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie we might have strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold of the hope that is set before us. When God makes a promise to you and I, like he made to Abraham, he couldn't swear by somebody greater than him. So he swore by himself. He made an oath that he will fulfill that promise in your life. The new covenant that God has made with you and me, he, he swore by himself that he will fulfill it. That is why he is loyal to manifesting those promises in your life. When God gives you a promise, he doesn't, he doesn't just give you a promise and walk away. He makes a promise and he gives an oath that he will fulfill that promise. You must understand, when the new covenant, he says, I will be their God. They will be my people. I will clean them. I will cleanse them. I will give them a new heart. I will do this. I will do that. I want to do this for you. This is how amazing this God is. You must understand that God confirms the promises that He made in your life. The things that God says to you by two immutable things. Immutable means never changing which means God's nature, God's character, God's ability can never change. The promises that God made to you will never change. It will come to pass. Hallelujah. It will come to pass. The reason why it comes to pass is because of another immutable character of God, immutable nature of God, which is He made an oath that He will fulfill those promises in your life. And so by these two immutable things, he's saying, because you have these two immutable things now, you have hope. (laughs) So the the hope that you receive, the impartation of hope that you receive is from the immutable nature of God. You have hope, you receive hope from God's nature that is renewed in your mind. Remember, I started by talking about it. That when God is good to you, you receive an impartation of God's character, His nature and His abilities. In that nature, you receive hope that I know God for sure. I know His nature is that He will never change. 
and He will always keep His promises. When you have hope in God like that, it will cause you to mature in patience and endurance. And when you grow in patience and endurance, that's when you obtain the promises that God has made in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, when you and I look at our lives, when we look at the things that happen in our lives, sometimes when things don't go according to how we expected or anticipated, God gave me a promise and then just the opposite of it happened. We need to understand that the boat is steadfast on the water. You're steadfast on something that changes. It's not God's nature to change, but it's the nature of the world and the value systems of the world to change. You're steadfast because God is steadfast. You're steadfast because God is loyal to you. But God's loyalty and the manifestation of the promises of God have to do with your maturity. The maturing of your faith. Your faith is matured when you grow in patience and endurance. When you look at your life, when you look at what is happening in your life, if you look at all the negative things that are happening in your life and you go, man, God has betrayed me. I, I feel left. How long do I need to suffer? How long do I suffer like this? I want to encourage you that it could be that you're in this season where you're experiencing lack, where you're experiencing turmoil, you're experiencing crazy stuff happening in your life, things that you cannot control. It could be that you, when God was good to you, that you chose not to renew your mind with His character, His nature and His abilities. Because when you are experiencing this in a season today, our natural tendency should be joy. Joyful anticipation. For us, when we look at suffering in the kingdom of God, when we look at chaos in the world, in the kingdom of God, we don't look at it as problems. We look, we look at it as, my God, this is, I'm, I'm so full of joy that these things are happening in my life because I know I'm about to receive the manifestation of God's promises in my life. I'm about to step into a new season where God is going, he's going to manifest everything that He has promised in my life. I'm going to step into a phenomenal season of experiencing God's goodness once again. See, if we allow ourselves the joy in our hearts to go down, it's only because our hope, the anchor, has not reached the mercy seat of God. Our anchor is just dangling in the water because our hope has been in 
the things of this world. Our hope has been in the job. Our hope has been in the banking system. Our hope has been in the economy. Our hope has been with the in a new car or, or your new job or, or a promotion or your boss you have an expectation of from your boss or your or your hope has been in your marriage or your hope has been in in your in your children and the relationship with your children. Let me tell you something. Your hope has to be secured in the mercy of God. God's loyalty to you. I want you to to go back to Ezekiel chapter 36 and and, and in closing, I want to echo the prophecy of the new covenant to you and me. See, Israel rejected Jesus. They rejected Jesus the Son of God. And so because they rejected the Son of God, God opened this new covenant to the Gentiles, to you and me. And so today we are now here in this moment where we're receiving the promise that God gave to Israel, but this is a promise that that He gives to you and to me. And in verse 33, He says this, Thus says the Lord God, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities. I will also enable you. You see the grace of God? I will enable you to dwell in the cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. This is powerful. This is the grace of God. You might be in a city where the economy has, has bro- you know, all small businesses have, are gone. Oh, the businesses have been, have been affected. The, the medical system has been affected. Transport has been affected. Job losses. People are leaving. Oh my gosh, there's all chaos all around. This city seems to be in ruins. But God is saying, because of my loyalty to the covenant that I made with you, because your hope is in my loyalty to my covenant with you, the Lord says this, on the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, that happened on the cross, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities. He's giving us grace to live in these cities and the ruins shall be rebuilt. Verse 34, the desolate land shall be tilled instead of lying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has now become like the garden of Eden. Come on, you got to receive that prophetic word over your life. Every area of your life that was desolate, every city that you live in that seems like it's desolate, God will enable you to live in that city. And when He rebuilds that city, He will cause you to also till the land and the land which was like like a desert will become like the garden of Eden in your life. Every area of your life that was desolate, that, that did not have any, that was not fruitful, I prophesy over you. I echo the prophecy of Ezekiel over your life that it will become like the garden of Eden. Fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Come on church, this is powerful. And the wasted and desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. 
verse 36, then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it and I will do it. Come on, this is powerful, church. This is powerful. This is such a such a rich prophetic word. This is such a rich covenant that God is making with you and I today. If you did not know about the new covenant and if you've lived your life with the, with the mindset of the old covenant, I want you to, I, I want to encourage you to allow this word, this new covenant to renew your mind. Go, transformation in your life comes through the renewing of your mind. Allow your mind to be renewed by these promises because God is not loyal to the old covenant now. God is loyal to the new covenant. See, if your hope is in works for righteousness, you will not find the loyalty of God in response to you. But if your hope, your joyful anticipation is in the new covenant that God made with you and I, if your hope, the, the contract has changed now. He's moved into another season. He is loyal. The mercy seat of God is engaged when hope is engaged with the new covenant, not the old covenant of works. If you're still trying to fast in order to get a breakthrough in your life, you're still under the impact or the effect of the old covenant. If you're still trying to tithe in order to give, to get a blessing from God, you're trying to sow in order to reap. If you're still in the works mindset, I need to read my Bible every day from 8.30 to 9.30 and I have to give two hours, 40 minutes to God every single day. If you're still in that system and your hope is in that system, God, I want to encourage you to come out of that. I want to encourage you to come out of the law. Come out. God has moved into grace. God functions in grace. He's, he's like, hey, listen, you don't have to fast right now because you're with the bridegroom. Come on now. You're, the, the spirit of the Lord dwells in you. I've given you my spirit. I've given you a new heart. I want to do these things for you. You don't have to do it. I want to do this for you. Why wouldn't you allow such a supernatural God, such a big God, to do something awesome in your life. So this week, I want to encourage you, church, that as you have received this word, listen to this word again, listen to this message again, because I really believe that God is going to do such a deep work in your life. God is going to renew your mind with this word, with the new covenant. And I really believe that the cities that you live in, the homes that you live in, God is going to rebuild a new company for you. God is going to rebuild a new job for you. God is going to rebuild a new business for you. God is going to rebuild the city that you live in, the economy. He wants to do this. Why wouldn't you want to have your hope in Him? I want to encourage you, church. To put your hope, allow hope as an anchor of your mind, your will, and your emotions to be steadfast in God's loyalty to His new covenant with you and me. 
So I want to bless you. I want to declare that this week you will experience the joy of hope. You would experience the the joy that the joy of the Lord would enable you to overcome, to endure, to patiently endure this week. I'm not declaring that you will experience suffering, but if it does come your way, go through it with joy. Don't run to the next person asking, please pray for me, please pray for me. Pray for me till that problem goes away. I have no faith, I have no joy, misery, like no smile, nothing. But go to people with joy. Go to your office with joy. Choose to live by faith. Choose to live with hope in God's faithfulness, God's loyalty to His covenant with you. Have an awesome covenanted, new covenanted week this week. You will experience the joy of the Lord like you've never experienced before. Put your faith in the promises of God. You will experience the new covenant on a whole nother level. Kelsey and I, we love you. We bless you. We're so grateful uh, that God has brought us together as a church. But in closing, we, I just want to let you know that we have, an, we have awesome teams of people that are waiting. They're full of love. They carry Kelsey and my heart towards you. They carry God's heart towards you. They're full of hope right now. They're full of joy right now. They're ready to to meet you, to greet you. If this is your first time to our awesome family online, why don't you get on that Zoom link and and, and have a chat with our people. Get to know us. We want to get to know you. Uh, We we want you to experience the joy of the Lord in our lives and we want to experience the joy of the Lord in your life. And if you need prayer, if you need a prophetic word, if you want to experience the new covenant, uh, in, in the Word of God over your life, the promises of God over your life. Why don't you click the link and we have a team there that will pray and prophesy and, and propel you into a new season. So we love you. We bless you. Have a phenomenal week. Love you, church. See you next week. Bye.